Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. So glad that you are uh, worshiping with us this morning at Northside Baptist Church, especially if you are one of our guests. We're, we're uh, excited that you are here with us. Uh, you'll see a, por a portion of your bulletin that's there. You can uh, fill that out if you will, and have, we can have a record of your visit. And uh, my voice grows stronger as I speak. And so we'd love for you to, to fill that out, place it in the offering plate, or you can put it, uh, you can give it to a minister at the end of the service so we can know who you are and how we can better minister to you. Just just a couple of things, especially if you're our, our guest, but maybe even if you're some of our home folks to remind you as we enter Advent season, uh, we have this cradle up here. We'll encourage our, our kids a little bit later during the offertory to come and place an offering here. And the monies that go in here are designated for uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. So we got some other avenues for that as well. We'll be promoting that, uh, especially throughout the month of December. But uh, right now, I want, want you to take the opportunity to greet each other. So find someone and let them know that you're excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning.
Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Amen. That might be my favorite video we've ever shown here. I ask the children if you will come and join me up front for our time of a little, little worship time here, a little sermon. It'll be a little bit different today. I got something special here. Um, so, what what is this? What is this I have in my hands? Anybody? A box. It's just a box. It's a present. It's a gift. Now, here's here's the thing. Would any of you like to know what's inside this box? Yes. You would. Guess what? I'm not going to open it today. I'm not going to open it today. You know why? This is what this box represents to me. Hope. Can you say that word? Hope. Yeah, it's not a hard word to say. Hope. So, we hope that there's something really awesome or fun, or tasty, in this box, right? You, you have hopes. You don't know what's there in there yet, but it looks like something that could be pretty good. And a box at Christmas time, or a wrapped present, well, that brings us hope that there's something there, that there's something for us. But there's a little bit more about hope. And this morning, I got a couple of people that are going to help us understand what hope is. So I want you guys to look right up here at Isabella and Micah. They're going to tell us a little bit about Hope, especially at Christmas. As a reminder of that great light, we shall light the candle of hope. We remember that the light shines the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. However, we must recognize that there are still billions in the world without hope. With no knowledge of Jesus, they are still in darkness. So we must pray. Wait. 
May, may we do all we can to carry the light of Jesus to a world still lost in darkness. So we pray and we give and we tell others, arise, shine, for your light has come. Awesome. So they're talking about the hope of Jesus. And we're going to light a candle here to remind us of the hope of Jesus. That hope comes with, with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for these children who are here. Thank you that we can look at Christmas and remember your son, Jesus. I, it's, it's, it's my prayer that when we look at a, a present, a beautifully wrapped gift, that we remember that there's hope there, but most of all that there is hope in your son, Jesus Christ, who came and was, was born in Bethlehem, but was led to a cross and resurrected. And in that, we can have hope. Now, we find hope in Christmas, hope in Jesus this year. It's in his name I pray. Amen. If you will, please remain standing and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 24. Acts 24, we're going to begin in verse 5. I know your order of worship says a little differently, but we're going to begin in verse 5. Acts 24, 5 says this. For we have found this man to be a plague, an agitator among all the Jews throughout the Roman world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to desecrate the temple, so we apprehended him. We wanted to judge him according to our law, but Lysias, the commander, came and took him from our hands with great force, commanding his accusers to come to you. Now, by examining him yourself, you will be able to discern all these things we're accusing him of. The Jews also joined in the attack, alleging that these things were so. When the governor motioned to him, that is Paul, to speak, Paul replied, Because I know you've been a judge of this nation for many years, I am glad to offer my defense in what concerns me. You're able to determine that it, has been, that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. They didn't find me disputing with anyone or causing a disturbance among the crowd, either in the temple complex or in the synagogues or anywhere in the city. Neither can they provide evidence to you of what they now bring against me. But I confess this to you, I worship my Father's God according to the way, which they call a sect, believing all things that are written in the law and in the prophets, and I have a hope in God. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you speak through it, speak through me, and may we listen, give us open hearts to hear a message from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So yes, this is the season of Advent, and we've already discussed hope. We've already mentioned Lottie Moon Christmas offering for 
international missions. Um, and so, I don't know, maybe some of you have been Southern Baptists for quite a long time. Maybe some of you are new to Southern Baptists, but I just want to make sure we're, we're clear and understand what, what happens with our, our Christmas offering that we collect. Uh, Lottie Moon, uh, maybe who she was, a missionary to China. And some time ago, Baptists thought it was wise to uh, collect money from Baptist churches together. That's, it's called the cooperative program. So uh, to, to pool our money to support missionaries rather than one church supporting a missionary and uh, making it, it's it just to, to make it not so cumbersome. And so Lottie Moon was someone who went overseas and thought, well, this would be a good person. We could name this offering after her specifically for international missions. If you look at our budget, 7% of our, of, of our budget goes towards a cooperative program. A portion of that goes to the International Mission Board. Some goes to the North American Mission Board. Some goes to seminaries. Uh, thank you for that. I appreciate y'all giving. Uh, Help me as a Southern Baptist attend seminary for a little bit less of a cost. But this month, in particular, we're giving toward our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It goes directly toward international missions. The Christmas tree over here we will decorate with these bows that we have, every $250 that we raise toward our $6,000 goal as a church, we placed on the, on the tree. And so I hope we fill up that tree next week. I hope we do it quickly. Uh, I, you know, we, it, it takes money to put people in the mission field. Um, I want to uh, always take, take just a moment each week of, of, of this Advent season of, of Christmas and just to share a little bit of uh, testimony from the mission field. I hope we have some who can share some very personal stories, people that you know in the coming weeks. But for now, I would ask that you would direct your attention to the screens as we hear about someone who gave up a, gave up a life, a job working for NASA in order to go uh, take the gospel to people that needed it. God and the mercy of God and the hope of God. From an early point in my childhood, I can remember watching the first moon landing on a black and white TV and thinking, I want to do that job. Um, so I just pursued that. And then was able to get into an aerospace medicine residency program to work for NASA as a flight surgeon, providing health care for the astronauts and their families. It really was a dream come true. But in many ways, my identity was not as a follower of Jesus Christ, but my identity had become, I'm a flight surgeon working for NASA. I really didn't think that I would leave NASA. God said, you need to make a choice. It was in our living room. I was saying to God, this job is cool, but I don't need it, I need you. Whatever you want to do, I'm ready. When he finally came to me and told me that this is what he felt called to do, I just said, I've been waiting. God moved us to the country of Uganda where we served for 12 and a half years. From there, moved south to Lesotho. And then God brought us to Kigoma Baptist Hospital where we've been serving for the last seven years in western Tanzania. It literally is at the end of the road because we're right on the Lake Tanganyika. God has placed us in an area that is predominantly Islamic. Healthcare in our part of the world, there is a great limitation on resources that are available. We have patients that are admitted with severe malaria, dysentery. Every year we have an outbreak of cholera. We don't have the adequate numbers of resources and personnel on the field to be able to meet all the needs. But we have partnerships with a number of different churches and on various levels. When a church comes in and partners with us to provide that kind of care, it literally changes the people's lives, both physically but also spiritually. Using healthcare strategies is like a key that opens the door to get into a village that we might not have access to. Not far outside of the town that we live in is a small village. Completely unreached on the fringes of town. We met with local leaders and we asked permission to come to that village and do a week-long medical dental eye clinic. Through that opportunity, God used that to start a new church plant. 
that village has been a huge impact. Growing in their faith in Jesus Christ and being discipled, just this past week, one person came and repented and said, no, I need this Jesus. The kingdom of light is coming in Tanzania, bursting through the darkness like we've never seen before. As he uh, opened up, he uh, talked about carrying, carrying the hope to a group of people that were without hope. I want to take just a moment to pray for our missionaries. If you will join me in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for those men and women that you have called into the mission field. Some go for a couple of years, some go a short time. But there are, there are many that you have called uh, to go as, as, as full-time. And some, like this man, who is trained as a, as a surgeon, and he's able to go into countries that need physicians. Lord, there are teachers that have been trained, and they can go into places that need teachers. There are people that understand agriculture, and they can go and take their trades, and they can go and, and, and teach livelihood, and they can make the community better. But the beautiful thing is they can bring the gospel with them. So, Lord, I pray for them that you give them strength. Lord, I, I pray that, you, that their efforts are fruitful, that they see people coming to know Jesus Christ. Lord, that your name is proclaimed to every corner of this earth. And it might be that you're calling someone in this room today to enter into full-time mission work. Lord, I, I pray that we would support them and continue to pray for them. Lord, I just want to lift them up to you this morning. May we give, may we pray, may we go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hope is a, an especially interesting thing. If I were to ask you what is hope, I'd probably field several different, probably several different answers would, would come from you, and there would be a lot of, a lot of different uh, ideas about that. Or maybe, why is hope so important? Why is hope so important? Well, if you've ever been to a place where you just needed some hope, and you understand how important hope is. Have you ever lost hope? I think this, that all of us have. If we've lived life long enough, we've experienced disappointment or we've lost hope for a little bit. And it's hope that I want us to look at as we investigate this passage from Acts chapter 24. The first thing that we encounter here is that Paul has been drugged before, he's been drugged before uh, Ananias and a lawyer named Tertullius. Tertullius was, was a lawyer, so he was versed in, in, uh, in, in the Roman law, and they were, they were trying him and wanted to uh, they, they wanted to get rid of Paul. They wanted to silence him because he was proclaiming something they didn't agree with. And so the first thing we need to do is, is look at verse 5 through 9 and look at the accusations that were leveled against Paul. What were the things that they accused him of? Well, first of all, it wasn't so much an accusation as it was some name-calling. The first thing was they said, this man is a plague. This man is a plague. He's like a disease. And so they resort to name-calling. The next thing, he's an agitator. What's an agitator? Well, it's doing something that I don't like. It's doing something that's causing a disturbance to me or to us, something we don't like, we're not comfortable with. He's making us uncomfortable. He's a plague. He's an agitator. They were name-calling him. And then he's a ringleader of a sect, a particular group that we don't like. We're not a part of. It's a secret society or a group or a clique or a club or a fraternity. He's the ringleader. He's the one that's leading this sect of people. And then ultimately they go on and say, but he also has desecrated the temple. He desecrates the temple. If you look back at chapter 21, verse 28, you see that, it's, he, that there's claims that he brought Greeks into the temple. Now they have to be very careful, careful here because they need some of these Greeks on their side. So, you know, they, they've kind of opened up themselves to that. But look at, what, look at what Luke describes in verse 9. He says, this is an attack. The Jews also joined the attack, alleging that these things were so. They were claiming that everything that they had said was true. And Luke said it's an attack. I mean, what a scene this must have been. These good religious folks were just downright mean. And so, no wonder, verse 10, 
Paul says, I'm glad to offer my defense. Verse 10 begins kind of his introduction. His, his introduction. He doesn't go right into defending himself, but he addresses the governor. And, and, he, and he says, because I know you've been a judge of this nation for many years. In other words, I know you've been around. I know you've probably heard of me or what's not written here. We may have even had conversation before. But I'm sure you've heard of me because, you know, like they said, I'm the ringleader of this whole group. And so you've heard of me. You know what has taken place here in Jerusalem. You know that not so long ago there was a man that was crucified. And I'm reading into this a little bit. But, if you've, but he says, if you've been here a while... You understand that there was this man named Jesus who was crucified, resurrected. You understand that there was this, this special day, that the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came down. You understand that now there are some Jews who are following this thing that we call the way. If you've heard anything about me or you've heard of Peter or you've heard of John, so you understand the culture here. You understand the Jews. You understand how they followed the teachings of Moses, that they're descendants of Abraham. Now, like I said, I read a lot into that. But that's what I gather from verse 10 when he says, because I know you've been a judge to this, of this nation for many years. He knows what's going on. So that you know what's going on, I'll be glad to offer my defense to you about what concerns me. And then you go on down to verse 13, and he really says, bottom line, they don't have any evidence of these charges. They don't have any evidence of these charges. There's nothing that they can prove. All the things that they've said, they can't prove. You can't prove just by calling somebody a name. So what do you have what good evidence do you have? And then we get into verse 14 in his defense. Let me read 14 and 15 again. But I confess this to you. I worship my father's God according to the way which they call a sect, believing all the things that are written in the law and the prophets. And I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there is going to be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. I always do my best to have a clear conscience toward God and men. After many years, I came to bring charitable gifts and offerings to my nation. And while I was doing this, some Jews from Asia found me ritually purified in the temple, without a crowd and without any uproar. It is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges if they have anything against me. First thing Paul says, I worship my father's God. He's essentially saying, all these Jews who are here, they're coming to you saying that I'm causing a disturbance. They say that I'm an agitator. Well, here's the deal. They worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I worship the same God. The Jews, it, it, I've been we've, we've been worshiping this same God for years, hundreds, if not thousands of years. We've been worshiping the same God. I worship my Father's God. But, he says, according to the way. According to the way. Hold on to that thought. Because he continues with this. I believe what is written in the law and in the prophets. So not only do I worship my father's God, but all of their scriptures, all of their scriptures, I, I believe their scriptures. When they open the scroll in the temple and they read, I worship right alongside them. I agree with, I, I agree with the law and the prophets. Now, this is interesting for us today. There are, there are some movements among our evangelical Christian brothers and sisters to uh, maybe diminish 
that may even be a light word for it, but to, to diminish the significance of the Old Testament, uh, we, we, we can't do that, folks. Uh, we, we need the Old Testament. We need the Old Testament. To, it lays the foundation for everything that we read as fulfillment in the New Testament. But Paul stands up and says, I believe. I believe what's written by Isaiah. I believe Moses' writings. I believe these things. So why are they upset with me when I, I stand before you and I believe? Not only do I believe it, you remember. If you remember, I used to study it. I was on the path to be sitting in your spot among the Sanhedrin. It is very possible nobody knows in that room right here, chapter 24, it's very possible that nobody knows the scriptures as well as Paul himself. It's very possible that he is the most knowledgeable of all of the Old Testament scriptures of the people in that room. Yeah, he says, I believe. I believe the law and the prophets. And he says, and I have been in the temple. I have been in the temple. But he says, now there's some Jews from Asia who saw me in the temple. There was nobody else in there that day. But, but, but they came in and they saw me. I wasn't desecrating the temple. I wasn't causing problems in the temple. I didn't have a group of people stirring up trouble. What was I doing? I was purifying myself. According to what? According to the law and the prophets. I was purifying myself in preparation of worship to enter into the presence of who? The same God of my fathers. He's really identifying with them. He's not proclaiming anything outside of their scriptures or contrary to their teachings other than, other than he claims the fulfillment of all of the law and the prophets is Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of everything that they believe is in Jesus Christ. I believe the law and the prophets. I worship God. But it's his son, Jesus Christ, in whom all of the law and the prophets were fulfilled. And that is what's different about the way. It's not a sect of Judaism. It's a different, it's, it's an entirely different way of understanding the Old Testament. It's the fulfillment that we see in the New Testament. And if we continue on, verse 20, he says, Either let these men here state what wrongdoing they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin, or, and he goes ahead and he puts out there what he believes to be the problem, or about this one statement I cried out while standing among them. Today I'm being judged before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. That's the problem that they have with me. It's not that I go around and cause trouble. It's not really that I don't worship their God. It's not that I don't understand or, or follow or believe the Old Testament. He didn't call it the Old Testament. The, the law and the prophets. It's not any of that. It's, it's this. I'm being judged before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. I believe in the resurrection. And if you, get, if you read any of Paul's other readings, you will find that he believes not just in the resurrection to come, but, the direct, but that the resurrection had already been initiated in Jesus Christ, the one who himself was resurrected. But this is a key thought for Paul, and it's a key thought for us today. It's what's found in verse 15. I have a hope in God. A hope in God. Not just a hope that the Messiah will come, but a hope in the fulfillment that the Messiah has already come. Not just that he came as, a, as, a, as an infant in Bethlehem, not just that he performed miracles, not just that he uh, claimed to, to, to be one with the Father, not just that he went to Golgotha and was crucified, not just that he was resurrected, but also that, that he has now ascended and seated at the right hand of God the Father. This is where my hope lies, in the king that is forever, eternally enthroned. There's my hope. That's Paul's hope, and that, I hope, is our hope today. I didn't mean to double up on the hopes there, but I, I pray that our hope is found in Jesus Christ, seated, eternally enthroned, forever, forever. Amen. He says, I have a hope in God. Well, what is hope? Well, one, one thing we know about hope is it's one of the last three things that remain. 
alone with love and faith. But if I were to define hope just really simply, I like to try to define, I like to attempt to define things as if they could be written in a, a, a Veggie Tales dictionary, okay? That way uh, I can share it with the, with the deacons. Um, <laughs> sorry. Thank you. But if I were to define hope, just take a stab at defining hope. It's just that tomorrow is a brighter day or, or, or a better day that there's good things in store for us. It doesn't mean that right now everything is great, but it means that there's something better that lies ahead, and there's hope. Whatever your darkest day might be, if you don't have hope, then you look around and you're swallowed up by the darkness that's around you. But if you have hope, you can persevere through that because tomorrow there's a better day. Where does hope in God come from? Paul says, today I'm being judged before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. Hope is found in the resurrection. Hope is found in the resurrection because it means that even death does not have the final word. Even death doesn't have the final word. Regardless of what I'm going through today, I have hope because my God defeated death. So not even death can, can upset me, can, can discourage my hope that I have in my God. This is where Paul is coming from. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 19 says, If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, I also have hope in the resurrection because if Christ has been resurrected and I too have been crucified with him and joined him in the resurrection, then I too join with him in the resurrection and will be resurrected one day. So not even death has the final word on my life. There's hope in Christ. There's hope in the resurrection. Well, what is the resurrection? First of all, it's an historical event. That's probably the first thing we think about. It's an historical event. It took place, took place three days after Jesus was, was, was buried. He was resurrected on that Easter morning. There's hundreds of scriptures I could point you to. Read the Gospels. But... I want to move on to, to points two and three pretty quickly, but a historical event, it actually happened. There are some teachings that say this was just a mystical type thing, that the, that the apostles hallucinated, that he was a ghost. Well, I'm sorry, ghosts don't sit on the beach and eat fish, okay? But he, he actually rose from the dead in bodily form, yet his body was something unusual as he just appeared in the room where they were praying. There's something significantly different about him. But yes, his body was risen from the dead. It's a miracle of all miracles. The resurrection is an historical event, but it's also a future event. John 5, 28 says, For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Some will be resurrected unto life, others resurrected unto judgment. Here's probably the biggest question for you right now. Will you be resurrected unto life or will you be resurrected unto judgment? And it has nothing to do with you. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Do you have hope in his resurrection that you too may have the resurrection unto life? There is a future event when we talk about resurrection. But the... the Next definition is the hardest one for me to get my head around. I just have to accept it. The resurrection is not just an event. It's a person. John eleven twenty five. 25, when Lazarus has been in the tomb, and John is speaking to his sisters, and he says, don't you believe in the resurrection? Well, yes, 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 Lord, I believe that we'll all be raised from the dead. But no, 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 no. Look at me, Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus 
is the resurrection. I, told, I tried to wrap my mind around it because I've always thought of resurrection as an event, as something that takes place, not as a person. But he is the one who gives life. He is the, Jesus, God has life and death in his hands. So why can't he be the one to bring new life to a dead body? Jesus is the resurrection. And if hope is found in the resurrection, which I believe it is, then hope is found in Jesus Christ. Not in friends or family or spouse. All these things can disappoint you or will disappoint you, have disappointed you. Not in the church, not in your job, the government, not in your own self, whether your intelligence or your finances, your notoriety, your popularity, uh, it, maybe you're an athlete, your, your athleticism, uh, all of these things can and will fail you at some point. And if all of my hope is built up in the things of this world, then at some point it's going to be crushed. So I must place my, my faith and my hope in Jesus Christ. Hope is found in Jesus in this Christmas. This Christmas, may we find hope in Jesus as well. Think about, think about Simeon. He didn't always get a lot of, pop, you know, he doesn't always get a lot of notoriety. I don't know if there's even a Christmas song that talks about that talks about Simeon and um, Anna that were there at the. Uh, I mean, um, anyway, uh, I got it right here in front of me. Why don't I just read it? I don't know if there's any Christmas song to talk about Simeon, but think about him. This man who the Holy Spirit had promised he would see, he would see the hope of Israel, the salvation of Israel. And they bring the baby boy in to the temple. Mary and Joseph do. Luke 2.28 says, Simeon took him up in his arms, and he praised God, and he said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your slave in peace as you promised for my eyes have seen your salvation you have prepared it in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel you see there's there was hope there was hope and he waited and when he saw Jesus see he didn't see Jesus crucified and resurrected he didn't see Jesus on his throne. Maybe he has now, but at this point he had just seen a baby, but he knew there's hope here in this Jesus from Nazareth. The hope of Christmas the hope of Christmas is fulfilled on Easter. And the hope of the baby boy is fulfilled in the risen Savior. As you go about your Christmas season doing whatever it is that, that you do, and you're gathered around the table with family and friends, if you're out shopping and maybe you encounter someone who looks like they're just a little frazzled, or you, you're, you're behind someone at the checkout line who's just given the clerk the hardest time that they can imagine, can you, can, can you bring a little bit of hope? If there's hope in you, if you have hope in Jesus, if you have hope in the resurrection, how about we take that hope and share it with people this Christmas season? There is hope, not just in a manger, but because of the resurrection, there's hope in the manger. There's hope in Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection. This Christmas... Will you be able to say, like Paul said before his accusers, I have hope in God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. There are days, I think about going to funerals sometimes, and I don't know how people get through it without hope in Jesus. I really don't. God, thank you that it's not just this world. Thank you that there's something more. Thank you for hope. Because on those dark days, we need just a, 
just a glimpse of the horizon, just a little bit to know that there's hope. But Father, you've given us more than a little bit. You've given us your son, Jesus, who, yes, came and was born in Bethlehem in a lowly manger. But because his obedient life, which led him to the cross, to the resurrection, and he is now seated and thrown forever. God, may we find hope in Jesus. Let us place our hope in Jesus and understand what it means to have true and lasting and fulfilling hope this, this Christmas, this year, for the rest of our life, for all of eternity. Father, if there's someone in here today that doesn't know that hope, I, I, I pray that today they understand that hope that's in Jesus. Just repent. Repent from your sin and say, I want to I know this hope that's in Jesus. I turn from my sin and I turn toward Jesus Christ, in whom is a resurrection, in whom is life, in whom there's hope. Speak now and may we listen. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I ask if you would please stand. And consider, consider the hope of Jesus Christ at Christmas, but also the hope of Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. As he speaks, you listen. Let's sing and spend a little time in prayer. Amen. Well, the meeting is over, and the service is about to begin. Hey, I got that from an old pastor somewhere, and I thought it was pretty good. So I might start saying it every week. The meeting's over, and the service is about to begin. Um, listen, pay attention to your bulletin. There's several things in there. If you're part of one of our, if, if you're a leader in one of our ministries, uh, we have a meeting today at 430. We'll look at the calendar and a little bit of vision for where we're, we're headed next year. And so we want you to be a part of that. There's a couple of things concerning the youth that aren't in the bulletin, but I've, I've emailed you and talked to you on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. We've had those announcements. But there's a couple of things going on in December. If you have questions, ask me, um, and, uh, and let's get you signed up for those. Um, and I believe, I believe that's all. If I miss something, then I apologize. I would just say, read your bulletin. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think that's all. Um, Chris, if you would come up and lead us in a closing prayer. For hope. Hope in you, hope in the resurrection, um, hope in your eternal promises, Lord. Pray that we take this Christmas season, Lord. Um, use this opportunity to spread your word, spread your gospel, Lord. There's, there's just an openness at this time of the year, Lord, for, for thoughts of you, thoughts of, thoughts of Jesus, Lord. We wouldn't let it go to waste. Um, pray you bless and, bless and strengthen all the ministries at this church. Um, pray you bring us back safely tonight, Lord, for the events tonight. And, Lord, we just love you. 